0: Active FM presents Food, food for Thought with talk. Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Anstead. Radio, radio, Let's pray and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Repeat, say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you administer to my heart and give me a deep, deep revelation of your word. So that I might understand it, so that I can speak it and mean it, and do it, and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing with our series that we started last week, A New World Culture. And the sermon today is entitled, The Kingdom's Culture of Life. And obviously last week we contrasted the, 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 the culture of this world, which is defined by fear. And it's controlled by Satan, and we looked at you know what happened in terms of the lockdowns with COVID-19 and all of those sorts of things, and one word came to the fore, and that is the word fear, and uh, we contrasted that to the kingdom, and the kingdom has another value which is love. Now Ephesians two verse one to three talking about the world's culture speaks about the fact that each one of us, even those of us that are, that are on fire, that are powerful, that are overwhelmed, that are changed, that are the new creation that, that the New Testament speaks about, even about us, it says in Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 3, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at, in the, at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate, listen to this, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So the world is overwhelmed with fear because something inside of us, when we're in the world, tells us that we're under the wrath of God, that the punishment of God is coming and that when the punishment of god comes we deserve it so therefore if we get COVID, we believe we deserve it if we get cancer we believe we deserve it if we have a heart attack or a stroke we believe we deserve it and so we just accept it now we are redeemed from the power of the enemy and yes we will have trials and tribulations but jesus said be of good cheer for he has overcome the world and therefore we should see people being healed now The world hasn't got anything to go on you know even if we're going through that period of our lives where we die let me tell you something there's victory there's victory even in death for the believer in the lord jesus christ and why is there victory because we are going to be with the lord the bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord my question is do we have that kind of faith because the kingdom is the direct opposite of the world and what is kingdom culture defined in 1 John 4 verse 18? Such love has no fear because love expels all fear. Expels means, hey, fear, you're out of there. It's like a kid that's expelled from the school. They no longer have access to the school. So if you have the love that comes from Almighty God, and you remember the Bible says in 1 John that God is love. If you have that kind of love, fear is expelled from your life. Therefore, if there is still fear, you need to get to God. And he goes on, he says, if we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Listen, if you fully experience the love of God, you're not afraid of punishment because you get it. You've had an encounter with Jesus. Your mindset has changed. Your everything has changed. You are brand new. You are a new creation. Fear is destroyed in our hearts. When we experience that love and in 3 john 2 it says beloved i pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers and as i said last week i believe that this was the apostle john's prayer for the church because he was praying the heart of god and the will of god for his people he wants us to overcome the world if we overcome the world we even overcome death and I believe He won't overwhel- overwhelm us with things we cannot handle. Philippians 2.27. Paul talking about someone that he loved dearly. And he had a number of blows. In Philippians, he talks about all of the things that went wrong in his life. I mean, I don't know if you've been bitten by a poisonous snake. Like a mamba or a wrinkles or, you know, one of those that hits your nervous system and you've got about 30 minutes. And then it's tickets. Paul was bitten by one of those the guys are all waiting for him to die and he carries on making food for everyone Okay, so I mean if you've been bitten by a poisonous snake then you know you've been in some hard times and he was in shipwrecks and he was arrested unfairly and he'd been whipped and he'd been left in a prison with probably cold floors with rats running around with all those wounds he was locked up in the worst ways He'd had a lot of issues. He'd known what it was to go hungry. And in the midst of all these trials, he's talking about his companion. He, he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. In other words, God limited the number of sorrows he had to face. And so, yes, someone that was close to Paul, that was important to Paul, gets healed. He gets healed so that Paul won't have too many sorrows. Are you aware, especially in a time like this, where so many people have experienced so many deaths coming from something that some people call hay fever? This is the most deadly hay fever I've ever seen. And do you know that you can cry to God in a time like that and say, Lord, it's been too many sorrows now. And he will spare you. And we also went on to look that when God works like this, Jesus wants us to be his witnesses. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So the Holy Spirit is supposed to be on us. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want to ask you in life, when you're speaking, What are you putting your energy into speaking? When you're arguing with people or you're debating with them, what are you putting your energy into arguing? You know, God hasn't called us to go in and to speak about this and to speak about that. He's called us to to be witnesses to what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We ended last week with Revelation 19 verse 10 where the Apostle John, speaking about the messenger of God, says, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren, who you have the testimony of Jesus. So he's just a messenger who has the testimony of Jesus. What is this fellow servant? What is he doing? He has a testimony of Jesus. So if he's a fellow servant of the Apostle John, he's this fellow servant of us. And what are we supposed to be carrying? The testimony of Jesus. And then he says, worship God. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spoken or written record of everything that he's done. When we speak about what Jesus has done, and what my question for you is today is this. What is your testimony about what Jesus has done for you? I'm not asking about your knowledge. I'm not asking about your theology. I'm not asking about your giftings. I'm not asking about any of these things. What is your testimony about what Jesus has done for you? And no, not five years ago or one year ago or seven years ago. What has Jesus done for you today? What has Jesus done for you this week? In the midst of a time where many, many people are really struggling in their hearts. Their spirits are crushed because of lockdowns and deaths and sickness and this and that. And it's just like everything's been piled on people at one time. What is your testimony that helps them lift out of that pit about what God's done for you? Or are you speaking the whole time about how people have hurt you? about how your dad did x y and z about how this one did that or the next one did the next thing maybe that wife that left you 32 years ago whatever it may be or is your testimony about what jesus did for you on friday or on saturday we are supposed to be carriers of the testimony of jesus and then For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What is a prophecy? A prophecy is when you foretell the future. A prophecy is when you tell people what's going to happen. You know that if you know the Scripture and if you apply the Scripture to what's happening in international affairs, if you apply the Scripture to what's happening in local affairs, if you apply the Scripture to what's happening in your own house, you know that you can foretell the future because the Scripture tells you what's going to happen. So prophecy foretells the future But prophecy also has the ability to change present situations. It has the ability to change the present reality that people are facing. You know, when you're sitting down, for example, with a couple and maybe their marriage is totally wrecked. And you start speaking the prophecy from Scripture into their marriage and into their lives. And you start speaking what God speaks over marriage. Do you know that that prophecy, if it's received by that couple, will change their lives? And it will save the marriage and it will restore them. Why is that? The testimony of Jesus carries the weight of heaven to alter the reality of a problem or a situation we're facing. It carries, it carries that in the testimony's DNA to change reality. So the testimony has a dna there's the very fiber of its being changes our present reality that is why god has given us scripture and that's why i'm saying even if a person is on their deathbed the testimony and the spirit of prophecy of jesus and the word of god spoken over someone that is busy dying that that word about the new jerusalem and about the glory that's coming speaks hope into a situation where someone is about to die i've seen it it brings a calmness into some into something that should be causing the ultimate despair because your body is about to die and so looking at this when last did you pray for someone's healing when last did you step out and instead of telling everyone how worried you are about them Yes, I'm so concerned about them. I'm so worried that that they're doing this or they're not looking after themselves or they're not this, they're not that, they're not the next thing. When last did you, instead of saying that, start praying. Start praying scriptures. Start talking about by stripes we are healed. Be willing to experiment when praying for people with healing. Be willing to figure it out with God. Start stepping out in faith. Don't tell me you're a person of faith if you don't pray for them. Don't tell me that. I was praying for someone that was very ill with COVID. It was someone that believed in God. He believed in the healing power of God. And he told me that he did not understand why he was not getting better. And in terms of that understanding, I could not give him an answer. But I still prayed, believing that he would be healed. I did not see his healing in the natural. He passed away. But you know, at his funeral, you know what I heard? You know what happened in the 10 minutes before he died? First of all, he was singing a song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. All fear is gone. Because I know, yes I know, he holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. And then he was praying in tongues. Basically he stopped praying in tongues when he died. His family was there. His funeral service heard this. I mean, that is the most powerful testament you can give. That in a time where maybe you're bewildered, maybe you've seen people healed, you've seen God work incredible miracles, you've seen him do incredible things, you're a person of incredible faith. Now you don't understand you're not getting better, and yet you're praying in tongues, and that's how you go into eternity. Guys, that's your faith. And if you don't have that kind of faith, get to Jesus, because how do you make it? Now, that particular day when he passed away, four people we knew died. And this, from, from that day to a week before, every single day, two or three people were dying, a day that we knew from COVID. COVID. Over and above the fact people going into icu people going into hospital people experiencing this people experiencing that people experiencing the next thing and that night this particular day was the second of four people there were two people after that and that night i actually prayed and i asked god please stop the death it's getting too much you know like the apostle paul said there in philippians it's getting too much and When I was preparing this this sermon, I said that no one else died for the next seven days. Well, in terms of people we know, still no one else has died. Today is the 1st of August, and this was on the 12th of July. We've still got people that are very sick, but none of them have died. I asked God for a week. He's given me three, three weeks. But I want to also tell you, the pastors that we're working with, almost everyone... I think all of them except one got COVID. They've all recovered. One was extremely sick, but the last feedback I've got is that they're well. So many, even in our church, got sick, and to date, no one has died. Even my sister-in-law. Yo, that week, it was looking very bad. Like very bad. And she's still, yeah. Oh, a lot of challenges, but I believe she's going to be healed. I believe that people that are part of this service are going to see family members healed. But you got to step out and start praying for them, otherwise the healing won't happen. I believe that someone whose family member has no medical aid will see a miraculous healing. And then when that happens, you've got to tell people. You've got to get people to listen to testimony of how others are being healed. Because when you start speaking the testimonies of what God has done, where He's healed people or He's, he's, he's helped people financially or whatever God has done. And, and I'm not talking about things people have done. I'm talking about things that only God can do. When you start telling the stories of that, let me tell you, you change the culture and you bring hope into a hopeless situation. But you've got to step out. There's a famous old preacher, you may know, you may have heard of him. His name was Charles Spurgeon, and he said, When people hear about what God used to do, they say, Oh, that was a very long time ago. I wanted to know, Has God changed? Can God not do again what He did at one time? I say that what God once did is a prophecy of what He intends to do again. Let us look on what God has done as a precedent. And you know, this is even for yourself. If you know that God has done miracles for you before, you need to use those as a testimony and a prophecy for your future that if He did it before, He will do it again. There's there's one thing that we've seen is that the circumstances of the world are showing us that at the end of the day, you cannot do it without God. You need him. But I ask you, what might be possible if we treasure the record of what God has done? If we treasure it and we show it off? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it speaks about the fact that we keep the commandment, we keep the statutes, and we keep the testimony. The, the, The commandment says we obey God. He tells us what to think. The statute talks about keeping his values. He tells us how to think. It gives us his perception on how we navigate through life. And a testimony is something you're supposed to hold on to. You've got to hold on to the record of God's actions in people. You've got to hold them so close so that they become the lenses through which you look at life. when i become like this now i begin to see the possibility in a problem instead of just the problem and i see it because of the power of god a testimony is something we use to prophesy in a problem and in that prophecy there's a promise of god and this is our input for what we pray this is the covenant of god and it's available for you now you can get all theological and stuff like that but in a time like this this is what you need and a testimony must affect how we see how we pray and how we act it's not just to boost us with a sense of encouragement with mere words we serve a real god we're in a real world but we serve a real god and he's got real solutions for a real people but are you real with god the testimonies that were passed on to give the children the courage to keep the commandments of God. We, we, we see this in the Bible that parents are told to speak to children about what God has done to give them the courage to face the future. In Psalm 78, starting at verse 2, I will open my, I will, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we heard which we have heard and known, and our fathers told us. We will not hide them from our children. Telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done for listen to this he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed A law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may see their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. If people forget the works of God, they do not keep his commandments, and you end up in a world which is the one we have today, which is a mess. People need the testimonies for the times when things go wrong, that they may have the courage to hold on. Psalm 78, 9 and 11, The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of the battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in His law and forgot His works and His wonders that He had shown them. In the day of battle, they wilted. In the day of battle, they they failed because they did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law. Why? Because they forgot his works and the wonders he had shown them. Have you ever wondered, the Israelites there in the wilderness, fighting with Moses, threatening to kill Moses and Aaron, when God had walked them through the Red Sea on dry land? and killed pharaoh and all of his army that as they try to go through the sea just closed in on them just in case they were wondering is this a miracle they were armed they were skilled they were trained for battle they had everything they needed yet they ran away why because they didn't keep the covenant of god and i want to tell you today if you're not walking in obedience then spiritual warfare is not the place where you want to be because the devil is powerful and why weren't they walking in obedience they forgot the works they forgot the testimony I want to say this to you remembering the testimony of what God has done allows us to walk in obedience testimony is incredibly important as instinctively it breeds something on the inside of us it breeds something in our soul that causes us to walk in obedience Every one of you that know Jesus, He has done things in your life. He has saved you from things. Maybe you're focused on things that people have done. Maybe you're focused on resentment. Maybe you're focused on things you wish you had that you don't have. Maybe you're envious or whatever it is that is going on. But I want to tell you, you should be focusing on what Jesus has done. Because if you're focused on the other stuff, you will not share the testimony. And if we decline to share the testimony of what the Lord has done, we see less miracles. We don't see god working and if we see less miracles we expect less miracles and if we expect less miracles we talk about miracles less and if we talk about miracles less we see them less and what happens then The result is that we get to the place where the miracles of God only happen sometime in our history. They don't happen anymore. We don't want to get to a place where the work of God becomes part of our history. But because of COVID and violence, it's not part of our current reality. Since when did COVID-19 cancel the Bible? Why are so many of us in the church acting like we've canceled the bible and every one of us needs to look at ourselves in terms of this i'm not speaking to anyone else i'm even speaking to me how many times have we acted like COVID has canceled the bible we want to be witnesses we want to be on this journey of having a relationship with god where we see the work of the lord where we see his hand upon our lives because this is where we learn to take things promised in the word and by faith take a risk to believe him you have to take a risk to believe god now i just want to say to you you know when you when when you're lacking in faith it's not the same as unbelief unbelief is when you willfully decide i will not believe god It's not what the Apostle Thomas said. He doubted. He didn't have unbelief. Unbelief is when you decide, I'm not going to believe. This is not for me. But when we learn to take a risk for Him, then we see the work of God. And trust me, it's awesome for us to see what God's doing. And I want to challenge us today. Let's believe that God is going to move. I look at the miracle of our church's finances. Now please, you need to give. This church is only still operating by a miracle that happens every month. You need to give. Let me tell you, you need to give. But we shouldn't have survived. Anyone that's it you can go and sit down you can ask borneka you can even get it to show us um, to show you some stuff we have survived in the natural where we should not and that's why i speak about this we have survived we have survived and that testimony needs to go out too because people are struggling to survive in their own lives and you should be taking that testimony out there so that people out there can learn to have faith in God you know what's being preached a lot in our society is oh, let people rely on other people for their food I I don't believe God wants a society where people rely on other people for their food now we, we feed the poor we fed close on around 300 people in the last year So we feed the poor. We feed those who are struggling. But we're not feeding them for them to rely on us. And so we don't only feed people in our church. There's only one requirement for people that we give food to that they're hungry. We need to teach people to rely on God. To rely on the giftings that God has placed inside of them, to rely on God's word. That doesn't happen without testimony. The devil doesn't want people to be able to, to do things for themselves under the power of God, under the calling of God, and because of their faith in God. He doesn't want them to rely on God, he wants them to rely on something other than God as their source. You've got to take the testimony out there for their sake because if you don't who will who's going to take that testimony of what jesus does whether financially whatever whatever area of your life who else but you is going to take that testimony out to people in your world and how do you take it out there if you don't step out in faith if you don't believe god that's why romans 10 verse 8 to 9 says but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead you will be saved i want you to think about that for a second you will be saved there's another promise You need a testimony of jesus for yourself you need an experience of what jesus has done for you to be able to believe that you will be saved and i want to tell you that in terms of this i want to just speak to you for a second to those of you sitting here to those of you and sitting here i mean whether you're here at selby whether you're at a site whether you're at henley um, which is the, the other campus or whether you're watching with us online or listening online or listening to the audio later on sitting in a taxi wherever you may be this is what i want to say to you the lord might be speaking to you right now saying i want you to commit to me now because your eternal destiny is at stake and he might be saying to you i don't want you to wait because i've reached you now the devil has been clouding your mind forever and i've peel away the devil and all of his demons it's like this icky stuff just imagine it's being pulled away and you still got some of those gooey strings there it's still there but right now in front of your eyes it's clear you can see and don't assume you're going to see this later because if you don't accept me now it's going to come back if you accept me now it's going to be destroyed And don't say, I'll pray later. This is the altar. And so, right now, maybe God is telling you, you need to give your life to Him. And if you don't do it now, you'll never have this opportunity again because your mind's going to be shut down. You need to give your life now. maybe, Maybe you haven't considered what would happen if you died today and you were to face God tonight. Would you be ready? Would you be ready? If not, you need to give your life now. Maybe you're thinking of your sin. And your sin seems like this gigantic mountain between you and God. But the blood of Jesus will destroy that barrier right now if you give your life to Him. Maybe you just feel you're not worthy of anything. You just Your life is worthless. You have no purpose. Well, Jesus will give you a purpose. It starts off with you being his witness. He will give you an eternal purpose. His plan for you is that one day you will rule and reign with him in his kingdom forever. That's his plan. The altar sanctifies everything, which means it makes you right with God, which means you can actually serve God. You see, without the blood of Jesus, you can't even serve God because your hands are dirty from sin. But the blood of Jesus washes them clean that you can serve him maybe you're sitting there and you've given your life before but the lord has been speaking to you i want you to come back to me today and so saying i want you to recommit your life to me today don't wait the feeling's not going to stay you need to make it count now and walk out of the service whether you're walking out of your lounge walking out here at salby at henley or any one of the other sites even at jacksonville wherever the sites are You need to walk out with assurance that you're saved. And so wherever you are now, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And if you're at one of the sites right now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. And when you raise your hands, I'm going to ask the site leaders to make sure that you check with the people that are at your sites and give them a slip and make sure that you know who they are. And so is there anyone? You need to give your life to Jesus or maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Just raise your hand. If you're at, at home or you're listening, then please send an email to info at And just say, I've given my life to Jesus and give us your contact number. Some hands have gone up. Yeah, it's Albie. Just wherever, whatever site you're at, just raise your hands. And send the an email if you're watching online or listening, or listening to the live audio, wherever, wherever you may be hearing it. And i want to tell you that if you're in front of your tv i'm going to ask you to come and kneel before your screen and see that place as an altar right now when you do this what you're saying to god is lord this is my time this is my time with you and i want to commit to you right now i don't want to wait another moment i can't wait i want to give everything completely to you now because without you i don't know if i'm going to make it and i don't want to live eternity far from you lord Lord, I'm done with fear. What you're saying is I want to live close to you from this day on. I want to live close to you so that when death comes knocking, your death, my death won't affect me because I know that even through that doorway of death, I'll be walking there with you. Even there I won't be alone. And I want you to see Jesus in front of you welcoming you home. And I'm going to ask everyone now, every single person that's in this service, wherever you are, to put your right hand on your heart. And to remember that Jesus died on the cross for you over 2,000 years ago. He died for you. He died for you. Think about that. He died for you. He went through the most gruesome, excruciating experience for you to take the punishment for your and my sins. He took the weight of our disobedience, of our rebellion, of our sickness. Of every curse on the face of the planet, he took the weight of that on himself. He was even rejected by his father. And he shouted out, my God, my God, why have you ditched me? Every other time he spoke about God, he spoke about his father. That time he said, why have you ditched me? Why have you dropped me? Why have you abandoned me? And he experienced that rejection so that you never have to. The same Jesus who died for you over 2,000 years ago on a cross on a hill called Golgotha. The same Jesus is the same today as he was then. He's the same as he'll always be. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his blood still has the power today just as it did on the day that he died for you. Just as it did on the day he was raised from the grave for you. It still has the power to save you. The blood of Jesus is the power to wash all of our sins away. And we're going to pray this together. And I'm going to ask you to mean this with all your heart. Because if you mean this, you will be saved. And please make sure that you fill in the slip if you're at the site. Or that you send the email. And I'm going to ask you right now to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize today that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything that I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice because I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption and I ask today Lord that the blood of your wounded body would wash me of all my rebellion and all my sin and that by that blood you would set me free of any sickness and any pain and I accept that my debt has been paid there is no outstanding balance you paid everything for me at the cross of Calvary I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And you have chosen me to to serve you. Because you see me as if I've never sinned. And I want to serve you, Lord. And so today I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in. To be my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for giving me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.